At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. This week, uh, one of our regulars, it is John O'Ran of the Sports Business Daily and Sports Business Journal. They're a longtime media reporter. Check out John's excellent newsletter if you are a subscriber to the Sports Business Daily, Sports Business Journal. Um, that's something he's been doing for the last couple months. It's uh, uh, some great stuff in there, some great analysis, breaking reporting. And uh, after that really incredibly nice intro, John O'Rand joins us on the Sports Media Podcast. John, welcome back. I wasn't expecting an intro that nice, Richard. John, do you want me to start with the the disloyalty that you have shown by going on Jimmy Train of Sports Illustrated Media Podcast, or should we save that for the end? Uh, let's save that for the end. Okay, I, I'm with you on that. All right, so let us start, John, with <laughs> you like that? There you go. It gives, it'll give it'll give everybody in the eight six zero area code a reason to stick around. Um, <laughs> the the um, Let's start with um, the super potential Super Bowl matchups and the conference championships that are coming up. We're taping this on the Monday after the divisional playoff round. And so we have the San Francisco 49ers against the Green Bay Packers, which should be a really nice viewership play. And then we have the Chiefs and the Titans, which is probably... Um, which probably provides a little more guesswork into how that plays out, given that the Titans in national windows viewership has not been great, but the Chiefs are um, usually over-index their place when it comes to um, their media market size. So let's just start here, John. Sort of an overview of the final four teams that are left in the NFL. It's been a mega, it's been a great season for them in terms of viewership, but um, how do you see how do you see the remaining teams that are left in terms of in terms of the last couple of games here, viewership-wise? You know, if you talk to uh, TV executives about the, the NFL and, and NFL ratings and why they're up, they, they always uh, fall back to storylines. And the, I think if you take a look at the storylines of the teams that are left, only Lamar Jackson is not there. That's sort of like a season-long storyline that, that, that people were taking a look at. And perhaps Derrick Henry and, and what he's been doing over the past couple of, of, of games will will fit in. But I think on the NFC side, you have uh, uh, big brands with national followings and a lot of history. And so I think on, in the NFC, you're fine with the, the Packers and, and the 49ers. Um, I think uh, Mahomes is uh, somebody who, uh, not just Mahomes, but I think the Chiefs. You know, they've, they've been they've been good for several years. I think that people are following that storyline as well. And I think that uh, you know they. Look, I think once you get to the Final Four in the NFL, 
I think that you're going to be fine no matter what. I don't think the NFL is as market-dependent or as team-dependent as really any other league. And so I think the, the, numbers, the numbers that we see are going to be the biggest numbers on TV since the Super Bowl. I mean, that, 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 that's a pretty safe prediction, and it's a safe prediction that, that's come true for the past several years, and I, it's, it's going to hold on in, into the Super Bowl. But I, like, if three of the four are, are pretty standard teams, i got to think that the TV network executives are pr- pretty happy about this. So let me just push back a little bit, John, on one thing. Um, is the Super Bowl market dependent? Probably not. Uh, I think that's a sort of a fair take. I do think the conference championships, though, are a little bit and certainly matchup dependent. My pushback on you would be if the Titans make the Super Bowl, do you see that as an interesting test in that we'd be talking about a team making the Super Bowl with, again, one of the lowest viewership numbers in terms of when they've played in national windows in some time? And it's not a, and this is no disrespect to the Titans themselves. Obviously, they're an incredible story, but it's not a, it's not any kind of historic or landmark team. The way the Packers are, the way the Chiefs are, even the way the Niners are. So I, to me, that would be if the Titans beat, um, if the Titans beat the Chiefs, that Super Bowl viewership number is going to be really, really interesting to me because they're kind of a unique. They'd be, a, in my opinion, a pretty unique team in the Super Bowl. I'd have to. I would have to agree with you. The Super Bowl is still going to see over 105 million viewers, which nothing nothing on TV is going to get close to that. Regardless. Although not not last year, my friend, 98.5, well, right? Low, low low last year. All right, I, I've up, I've upgraded that that prediction then, um, but but still <laughs> discernibly more than than anybody else. You have the stats in front of you already. That's not that's not fair. I do. Here we go. Ninety. I love just just so just so I'm not uh, just so you're on ball here, John. Patriots Rams. Ninety eight point two million viewers, TV only. When digital and streaming were included, one hundred point seven million viewers. That, by the way, lowest average viewership number since two thousand nine. So last year was a little bit of a of a down fluke, but you know it, it was down pretty significantly from other years. Look, if it was going to be Tennessee versus say Seattle. I think that might raise an eyebrow or two, but if you're going to have, you know, the historic Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers in there toward the end of his career, I think that that's that that's a great storyline that's going to uh, pull people in. If you're going to get, you know, think Joe Montana and, and uh, Steve Young and Jerry Rice, you know, if you're going to get like that brand of the 49ers in there again to uh, to do that, I think that you know that that's that they're going to pull a pretty big number. So I I don't think having the the Tennessee Titans in there is is something that's going to uh, it's going to have an effect, of course, uh, but I don't think it's going to have that great of an effect on 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 Super Bowl viewership. Um, Hang on, that was my opinion. Your 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 opinion, Richard, is that that it will have a great effect, though, right? It will. Yes, I do. I think the Titans in the Super Bowl will have a um, will have an impact on that final viewership number. That is not to say again because there are so many multiple factors that. Um, that it couldn't be a monster viewership number far over last year's. If the game is close, if it's you know, if it's twenty-one twenty-one with two minutes left, you get as John, you and I have both studied and written about ratings now for multiple decades. You know, you get to, you get word of mouth viewership. You get to, you get you get tune in late. There's a reason why games peak at certain times, um, and oftentimes it is the last quarter, or the last couple minutes. So I think. I think the game itself can sort of um, can dictate 
some of the uh, some of the viewership numbers, but I do think at least heading in, I do think the Titans are a challenge for the NFL. And again, I say all that under the larger caveat of they're guaranteed close to 100 million viewers regardless. But I do think there's a big, in my opinion, there's a significant difference between the Titans and the Chiefs. Yeah, that that's my favorite line when, you know, when Pat, we talk Pat, about Pat Mahomes versus Ryan Tannehill. Marketing wise, it's not even close. And then the just Chiefs. Chiefs haven't been in the Super Bowl for a, for a long time. They're historic franchise. They have an incredibly rabid fan base. I think if you're the NFL, secretly, if you gave them true serum, they're rooting for the Chiefs. There's no question. In my opinion, there's no question about that. You'd rather have the Chiefs, but I'll tell you what, that Derrick Henry storyline, I mean, he, he's he's setting records right now. I mean, he, he's like a robot. He's like Earl Campbell almost running there. I, I think that's something that people will, will want to tune into and, and watch. Do you think, you, think, you think a star running back is more marketable than a star quarterback in the NFL? Come on now. Uh, not more marketable, but I think this run that Derrick, Derrick Henry is on, no pun intended, is uh, is is historic, and I think the casual fans will, uh, you know, will, will. I mean, he gets the ball and he's eight yards past the line of scrimmage. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's. You know, you haven't seen stuff like this in in, in a long time. No, what do you hate, Kansas City, John? Or right, anyway, all right, the fair points, <laughs> but by all the, uh, I saw a note by uh, your own Austin Carp here. Sports accounted for 92 of the 100 most viewed telecasts in 2019, the highest number of sports telecasts ever to be included in the yearly list of television's top 100 shows. Um, John, that's incredible to me. It's basically like conventional television is is essentially sports and like reality-based dramas and some news and that's it. It's uh, um, It blows me away. Seeing those numbers doesn't surprise me, just blows me away. And then on top of that, John, the NFL accounts for 78 of the top 100 telecasts. I think both me and you have had great chuckles over the years for people who claim that the NFL media rights number is going to go down, for people who claim the NFL is in trouble. I mean, it's just, it's such a silly thing. And you see some of these stats, and it's just a reminder that even in an age of cord cutting, just how powerful this property is. Yeah, you know, I, I, since uh, I started covering this hard about 13, 14 years ago, everybody's been telling me to write the story about the, the media rights bubble and how they can't continue to go up. Well, th- this is proof positive that it, not only are they, they going to go up, they're going to go up for the NFL, they're going up for the SEC, they went up for the PGA Tour. I mean, the, 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 right? I mean, th- think about your own life. Like, like, you know, with my kids, you know, they – they wouldn't be caught dead tuning in at a certain time to a network uh, television show. You know, they they will watch it via Netflix or Hulu or, you know, any one of a number of of streaming services, and they'll binge watch it, and they'll watch it on their uh, their own time. uh, Television, I mean, Fox made a decision that it was going to just have live programming or live-ish type programming most primetime nights. I mean, so that, that's, that's the whole point of, of them going out and getting the WWE on Friday nights and Thursday night football. And, you know, you're going, I'm sure you're going to see baseball get on, on one of their primetime uh, shows. It's in the uh, television right now um, and the broadcast networks uh, place an incredible value on being able to, to uh, 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 live sports and, you know, live, um, you know, like the Academy Awards or, or Golden Globes or like live award shows or sort of live uh, reality type programming. And uh, and outside of that, like 
you know everybody is streaming that, and that's that's what that's the way TV is going. And the sports leagues are, you know, they're licking their lips. I mean, they're 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 if if you're a mid tier or a, a top tier sports league, you're going to see a massive growth in in rights fees. It's just that that's that's the way of the world right now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/recommend today. John, I want to. Since you brought this up, we'll do this real quick. Um, you were all over the story of ESPN landing the top tier SEC football rights from CBS when that contract expires. I think after the twenty twenty three season. There's been some talk. I, I, I got to stop saying like there's been some talk. Let's be more specific. Uh, uh, there, um, there's a there is a sort of a roadmap here where you would think that ESPN would love to get that package uh, a couple years in advance. Um, given that CBS is a lame duck year, ESPN is ultimately going to get it. But if you're CBS, you have an incredible property that draws about eight million people each week, and you have one of the great deals in sports rights when you're paying only fifty five million dollars. In your opinion, given that you've been at the forefront of this reporting, what percentage do you give ESPN figuring out a way to buy out CBS for the remaining years of that package? Uh, I would put it at ninety-five percent that uh, ESPN figures out how to how to buy uh, CBS out. I'm not sure exactly when that would happen. I, I would expect CBS will have it at least one more year, uh, but beyond that, you know. Th- th- ESPN is coming to this negotiation. It's more than just dollars and cents, too. I mean, suppose ESPN says, "Oh, we we have, you know, the American Athletic Conference, and we'll give you, you know, ten years where you can have, you know, some of the some of those rights, or the Big Twelve, or the Pac twelve. I mean, they they have rights everywhere that they could mix and match. And if you're if you're um, CBS, it's like, well, I have you know, three more years of the SEC, or I could do like one more year of the SEC, and then like ten more years of you know. Uh, of, you know, good programming that we could uh, put put into that time slot for essentially the same price. So it's, uh, you know, those nego- those negotiations and those talks have not happened yet. But I, I would expect it to be a lot a lot more of a barter deal than uh, than a straight like, hey, here's here's some money and and let us have it early. John, do you think that's just um, just my own curiosity? Do you think it's better to have a lower tier conference for like? 10 years then three more years of maybe the the most um not maybe importance not the right word but the, the 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 college rights package at least regular season wise that's of more interest than any other college rights package that's out there you know i brought up the american but you know, suppose suppose espn dangles like you have a a big 10 game so you, you so you can put an Ohio State you know a game in there or you know a Michigan game in there or you know uh, so they, they have a relationship with the ACC suppose they they could get Clemson in there or you know uh, uh, actually does another ACC school play football I'm not sure but I, I I think that there there are some you know big brands and some major colleges 
that could work on a broadcast uh, basis, uh, and that that uh, ESPN would be willing to cede to CBS just to keep it off, like ESPN two or U or or, or Plus. That's uh, it's interesting. I I don't know what's going to happen, and your reporting is far closer to this than anything I've done. But uh, I'll be curious. That's a curious one for me because I, you know, if you're CBS and you're making that calculation, you know, you do have a couple of years left of left of massive ratings, which you can make a lot of money on, you know, regarding advertising, uh, especially given what you're paying for it. So that, that'll be an interesting calculation for them as to how, how they do it. Yeah, but it's still, it's still a three thirty broadcast window and that, that, that CBS has, I mean, and, and, and who, who else, who knows what else could, could come into play there? Could, yeah, I'm just talking about college football. They, they, they could do college basketball. They could do like a, a myriad of other rights. That yeah. They could, well, the they one, the one thing I do agree with you on for sure is ESPN absolutely wants it. I mean, you, you, if you're ESPN, you got to try to get that as fast as you can. You don't, you know, you, you've invested a ridiculous amount of money for this thing, and you want to start the promotion of that. You want to start viewers associating you with the Alabama versus Auburn and, and LSU versus Alabama, et cetera. So I, I understand, you know. But, you know, uh, Richard, as, as you said, it's going to cost a pretty penny. The $55 million a year for that package is is such a sweetheart deal, especially now that – you know, ESPN is talking about paying, you know, in the low 300s, you know, close to six times, 6x, you know, what what they were getting. It's a, you know, it, it's an incredible sweetheart deal, and it would cost a lot to get ESPN to, uh, to get it early. But I, I would suspect that they're going to get it early. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's do one thing quick on Monday Night Football, John. Um, uh, First, let me caution everyone who's reading stuff about Tony Romo and salaries out there and and Network X trying to get him, um, I would just say caution. You know, be, maybe skeptical is not the right word, but um, when you're reading this stuff, see who's putting actual name to paper as opposed to speculation. I'll sort of just leave it at that. One thing that was reported, um, including names, was Andrew Marshan, the New York Post, reported that Jay Rothman is no longer going to be the executive producer of Monday Night football. ESPN has not uh, countered that, so um, you know this is sort of. A, I think very clearly uh, that's accurate. And so we head to next year, John, when the ESPN's most important property, which is Monday Night Football, does not have its longtime leading producer on it. And there's a lot of discussion as to will Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland return. Um, just from your little ten thousand foot viewpoint, John, what what's going on with Monday Night Football? What what do you think is sort of the next iteration there? Well, it, so the Jay Rothman news follows. You know, a year ago, Chip Chip Dean, who uh, had been with them forever, uh, uh, retired as as producer. Uh, uh, Jay Rothman, um, Marchand was the first one uh, with that, and uh, I mean, as my sources have confirmed that as well. So, not that uh, Marchand needs my sources to confirm his reporting. But um, 
right now, we, where all of the networks, this is a year that the networks are going to be um, negotiating for their NFL rights. And, you know, from our earlier conversation, the NFL is going to, is going to make a mint out of, out of these guys. And ABC, ESPN desperately wants to, to get better games. They want to be part of the Super Bowl rotation, and they, they, they want to be a, a bigger sort of better, better partner with, with, with the NFL. And one way to do that is to increase the, the production quality of Monday Night Football. And I think that if, you, if, you're, if you're watching Monday Night Football and you're comparing it to Sunday Night Football, you're comparing it to the top uh, broadcasts on um, Fox and on CBS – I don't know anybody that that would put it in that in that sort of rarefied air there, um, and I think that uh, ESPN right now wants to do what it can to uh, to try to just increase the the production quality and the production level of, of uh, Monday Night Football. I mean, it, it, if you take a look at uh, CBS's, excuse me, if you take a look at ESPN's college football telecast, I I think they're the best on TV. I, I think they're 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 and they're much better. Than ESPN's uh, Monday Night Football telecast, and I think that like you know they they've proven that they can put out a good uh, football production. The, the the question is whether they they can bring it onto the NFL or not. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the rea- you know the, the, you may you may get an email from Bill Hoffheimer, John, about this at ESPN PR, but the reality is like it's not close. Like the the CBS is a production, Fox is a production, NBC's a production are just better productions than ESPN's Monday Night Football and have been for some time. There's always subjectivity when it comes to this stuff, John, and certainly subjectivity with the broadcasters. But I think if you just ask viewers, I mean, if you just, and if you just sort of, if you're ESPN and you're just honest with yourself, you're, you're number four on all, on, on this stuff. And maybe number five, actually, if I include Thursday Night Football. And so the question will be, how do you, you know, Monday Night Football is never going to feel like Monday Night Football during the, the days when they, you know, they had Cosell and Meredith and Gifford, and it was the only game in town. But it does lack something, you know. It does like it lacks that it factor, and I think part of part of that, and the biggest part of that is the games themselves. You know, when Monday Night Football had like uh, um, the Chiefs Rams, you know, that incredible game, you know, that felt like the biggest game of the week. But NBC always feels like the biggest game of the week because of matchups. So you know it starts with matchups, but the, the they need they need to up their production. You know the McFarland thing on a crane. They've made some mistakes and um, they've changed their broadcasters up multiple times. So it'll be interesting to see as they head forward what they do with that production. And very clearly, they want ABC to get into the Super Bowl rotation. And so um, that's going to be one of the big stories to follow. For sure, in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, they can do it. I think when they, when they had uh, Tarico and and Gruden, um, it, and and for for ESPN, I think it's less about fans liking it than, than having the league sort of buy into it. The the, the league loved that the telecast. They thought they they thought it it was a fine telecast. But Tarico leaving, Gruden leaving, seeing this sort of like uh, you know upturn in in the uh, in the uh, announcing booth. Um, you know, it, it, it's something that, you know, the NFL executives are, are keeping an eye on, and, and it's something that they, they want they want to show the NFL. Um, I think you, you saw CBS doing this with the PGA and, and, and their golf telecast. They want to show the NFL, like, listen, 
we want the best packages and the best games moving forward, and, and we're going to do whatever we can to, uh, to, to, to see it happen. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. John, we'll do, um, we'll do just a couple quick minutes on Tony Romo. Um, my, I think me and you are in agreement on this. Uh, we both have said for a long time we believe CBS will retain Tony Romo. Um, you know, obviously I did a big embed with that, that group the Wolfs and Nance, Romo, Jim Rickoff group, you know, I feel like I know them pretty well, but at the end of the day, people keep this stuff mostly to themselves. But I think when it comes to comfort level with a producer and an on-air person, I think when it comes to comfort level with the production team, I think when it comes to loyalty, and I think at the end of the day, CBS sort of knows what they have. I think that's, I think they're going to end up retaining Romo. I think they're going to find whatever the number dollar figure works to um to retain him and obviously I'm on the record saying he's the best certainly the best game analyst working to the NFL I think he's personally the best game analyst in the history of the medium so I think when you have that kind of talent that kind of transcendent talent you do whatever you can to keep him how do you think at least at this point John as we're talking today January 13th 2020 how do you think this shakes out um the what's a couple million between friends right I I think that that CBS is going to offer something that that's at least close enough to really ESPN's the only other one that that I'm hearing that's out there. I can't imagine uh, that NBC wants to uh, replace Chris Collinsworth, uh, who I think is fantastic, and I, I don't get the sense that Fox is, is eager to uh, to put uh, Troy Aikman out the past year. So it's really only ESPN that we're talking about here, and like. I don't think you can dismiss the comfort level that he has with Jim Nance and Tracy Wolfson. Uh, uh, in fact, you know, I credit Nance very much with uh, Tony Romo's rise. I think like, it, it's rare to find a play-by-play person that will allow his analyst to talk over him. And Nance did it with a plum, and he's been doing it, and he, and he, and he draws Tony out. I think that, that, that Nance is, a, is an excellent partner for him. Um, I think they, 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 Rick off in the truck is somebody who, you know, there's a great comfort level with him there. I think that um, CBS's golf relationship uh, is something that, uh, that that also will come into play here. Um, you know, for for Romo, like if he wants to call golf in the in the off season. Um, I I don't. The only scenario that I see where where ESPN is able to. to uh, to poach Romo, uh, from, or, or any other network is able to poach Romo from uh, CBS is if they give him a number that is so far out of whack 
that uh, that 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 it doesn't that that it just doesn't make sense. Um, but uh, I, I I've been predicting for a long time, and my my best sources also suggest like he he's going to stick with uh, with CBS. Yeah, I mean everything you said is uh, to me is dead on. My sources say the same thing. I will say this um, sort of just two things to add. One, um, you can't understate the relationship that Romo has with Nance. Um, it's not just a two colleagues. They are friends, very close friends. Their families uh, stay at each other's home. They have, uh, you know, they're, they they talk all the time and text all the time. It's a real relationship. They're friends, and they were friends before they broadcast. So this is not just a sort of an arranged marriage. These are two people who are consider themselves close friends. And just anytime you talk to Nance or Romo, uh, they're not faking it. You can sort of see the genuine you know, appreciation and love they have for each other. And then secondly, as you mentioned, Tony Romo has an incredibly close relationship with his producer, Jim Rickoff. That's his only producer he's ever known in television. Mike Arnold is the only director he's ever known. And so uh, I, I think if you're Romo, to make that leap to a company that you've never worked for, to work with producers and directors you've never worked for, I mean, certainly it's been done before, but that's a big leap. I mean, if you think about Madden, Madden leapt, but Madden leapt he, when when Madden made that leap, John. If you know younger people will remember this, but older people will. Like he he left with a lot of his team. You know, he he wasn't he didn't just go solo. And so that's one of the reasons I, I would really be stunned if it happened. Now, I mean, does everybody have a number, John? I guess they do. But we're also talking about a guy who made like a hundred million dollars as a player. So while everybody loves money and it's all about money. You know, you do wonder if that sort of factors in. And then lastly, and I will say this, and this is just always interesting to me, um, and this just gets to corporations, John. Me and you may see this differently, but I, I do want to get your sort of opinion on this. When when networks want to have money for something, there's always money. Um, if, if ESPN wants to pay Stephen A. Smith $10 million, they find $10 million even if two years earlier they laid off 60 journalists. If, if CBS wants to find money for the Mountain West, you know, they got a couple hundred million dollars around. So it's always interesting to me that like sometimes there's haggling when it comes to like talent salary, but it's kind of silly because at the end of the day, if Viacom has, if it's all Viacom's money and if you, and Tony Romo is on your most important television property. So why not look at him as the same asset you would as a sports right? So to me, if you actually let money be the determining factor on this, I just think that's bad business. Um, yeah, you know, possibly, uh, unless you, you don't want to get your salaries out of whack. And if, and if you're a CBS and, and you feel like with Jim Nance and with uh, Rick Off and uh, Tracy Wolfen, and uh, not to mention like, you know, Burson and, and McManus as, as well, like we have a pretty good crew here that we could fill in. Suppose Drew Brees comes out, you know, and 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 uh, which um, you know was reported o- over the weekend that, that some people have reached out to him. You know, you, you, you uh, I would think that if I were running CBS and the price for Romo gets absurdly high, I would think that I could bring somebody in who could do a credible job. And I think Tony Romo's good. I'm not with you where he's the best ever. And I, I'm not even sure I'm with you where I think he's the best on, on, on TV today. Uh, but I think he's pretty good. But I think he's, a, he's also somebody who's easily replaceable. And if you're CBS, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, Richard. How many people sit down and turn the TV on or off because of an announcer? 
and and Romo might be good. He might be fun to listen to. But I'm watching. I'm watching that uh, that game, re- regardless of whether he's uh, he's calling it or not. Right. So, so at some point, I, at some point, I do think money comes into play. Well, John, once again, you are, you are you are absolutely incorrect in your assessment about Tony Romo. That's one, but you know that's not surprising. Two, yes, broadcasters do not change the viewership of any game at all, in my opinion, both our opinions. But, and this is an important one, they have a massive impact, perhaps the biggest impact, on how you um, process the game how much you enjoy the game and what you come away with a larger feeling about that network. So in that sense, I think there is majorly important value when it comes to certain game-changing broadcasters. Uh, but yes, will, would the same amount of people watch Dallas Green Bay on CBS if it was Drew Brees versus Tony Romo? Yeah, I, the, I don't think Tony Romo would change the viewership number. Right, and, and we agree. I think we just disagree in, in terms of, of how much that value is. I would, I would be more willing to walk and, and hold a line to, uh, to keep all my other analysts' uh, salaries uh, at bay. Naturally, you're, you're a typical management person. You'd pay the management people while I want to pay the talent. Yeah, this is this is why you this is why the Norby Williamsons of the world call you, and they don't call me. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. Hey, speaking of which, an aside to Norby, you haven't called me in a while, and I need some stories. Come on. Norby and Josh are probably calling some other people, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, all right. You had the scoop of Scott Van Pelt moving back to Maryland to – or is it D.C.? I'm sorry. Moving moving to the D- D.C. area to do his sports center. Out, the DMV, we call it. Yeah, out of the Eric Rideholm Dynastic Studios down there, which does uh, part an interruption and some other things. Um what do you, what do you, I know you're very tight with Van Pelt. You both are Maryland dudes, University of Maryland dudes. What do you make of this, John? I mean, one, obviously it says that ESPN has great uh, respect for Van Pelt and two, wants to keep its talent happy. But that was pretty interesting to me um, to have a sports center now out of Washington, D.C. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think that, that more than anything, I mean, let, let, let's go through this process here. What other ESPN talent can go, can go to, uh, ESPN management and say, you know what? I kind of want to go home. I, 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 is this okay? And there, it's a very short list of of people that 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 would uh, be be able to do that. Um, so I, uh, SVP and I went to went to Maryland together back in the in the late '80s, and just the the idea of um, so I broke that story on Friday, and uh, and my Twitter mentions. For the rest of the day and through the weekend, were were like I, I I could barely barely get through them, and just just thinking of like you know the guy he was a radio television and film major with me RTVF well, we called it and just to see his popularity at, uh, in this area and see sort of what it meant to the DC area is really cool. I mean I w- I was out at the Terp game on uh, Tuesday when uh, Maryland beat uh, Ohio State. And Van Pelt was there, and on the uh, on the the video above the the court, you know they showed Tory Smith, another Terp, you know two time Super Bowl champion. He got a nice ovation, and then they went from Tory Smith to uh, Van Pelt, and the place just erupted. Like there's he has a popularity in the D.C. area that is that that, that just it it always astounds me, and it just makes me smile. It's a, it, it's a, it's pretty cool to see. And um, I, I just think, like you know, he's somebody who has a, 
you know, ESPN wants to keep him happy. He's he's done well on, at, at midnight. He's coming to a place where they, you know, like you said, Ryan Holm and uh, PTI is, and it's, uh, you know, it seems to make sense. It's, uh, I, I'm curious to see how the how the show changes. Yeah, I mean, listen, there there's a there's a group of core talent that um, the sort of ESPN's, you know, Mount Rushmore guys at the moment, and Van Pelt obviously is on that list, and Stephen A. Smith is on that list, and then it gets. Um, you know, then you could sort of determine, you know, is Schefter there? I mean, it seems like Mina Kimes is moving up there. There's always uh, Rachel Nichols. There's always a group of people who um, who management really, really sort of has separated both financially, psychically, everything else in terms of um, the management views their importance to the network. And, you know, if you're in that position, you should ask for this kind of stuff. And if you, you know. At the end of the day, Disney's got a ton of money, and they can make studios work. They built, you know, that New York studio, essentially for Mike Greenberg, you know, the bi- hundreds of millions of dollars. So there's, there's one thing about Disney and, and your buddy Jimmy Pataro. There's always money when, when they need money. Let's say Stephen A. Smith wants to go uh, and, and, and do it from, uh, from Philly. Like, I can't see ESPN saying yes to that because I, I can. Oh, I definitely, I totally disagree with you. If, if, really, uh, in, in, the, in the midst, like in prior studio? to signing, John, prior to signing his contract, if he said, I want to move first take to Philadelphia, you don't think they would move first take to Philadelphia? Come on, man. Uh, maybe the whole, maybe the whole show. Maybe, maybe so. But his whole shtick is that he has to be in studio with, with, with the other person. Was my my main my main point on that. And uh, so I guess they, they. No, I know, but I'm saying there there are certain people at ESPN who I think have Jordan rules. Um, and Stephen A is one of them. And Scott Van Pelt. Stephen A threatened Kevin Durant on the air, <laughs> and then they didn't blink. And then you know, oh, whatever. A guy like David fight, Lloyd. If a if a guy like David Lloyd parks in the wrong parking space, he probably gets suspended for three weeks. <laughs> so you know, I mean, there there are different. Especially if it's you, you, even A's you, John. Space. Oh, I know, Johnny. Even you. I know you want Burke Magnus and Jimmy Pitaro and Connor Shell to call you, but even you will concede, correct? That there are anytime the crystal clock is the world say that the rules are the same for everybody. They are not the same for everybody. You agree? It's just not. That's just not true. Here's how I will agree with that. The rules at the athletic are not the same for everybody. The rules at SBJ are not the same for everybody. Everybody, oh, uh, everybody's different. That, that, listen, talent. Ken Rosenthal. Uh, Ken Kevin Rosenthal can do a lot more stuff than I can. I agree, I agree with you on that. Hundred percent. The Richard Deitch rules at the athletic. Well, I would say that at Sports Business uh, Daily, though, who has more juice than you, Austin Carp? Hey, I'm I'm in DC. Me and me, uh, like, we're we're starting a sports media empire here. Me, Scott Van Pelt. Kornheiser, Wilbon on occasion. Yeah, I, w- I would think actually at Sports Business Daily, you're sort of the Van Pelt there. You've basically been able to do what you want. Yeah, you you got more juice than uh, Ben Fisher, right? Eric Prisbell. What? Oh, they have plenty of juice. The NFL reporter and the MLB reporter. Come on. I don't know. I, I want to see. I want to see uh, one of those guys walk into Abe's office and say, "I want to move to uh, Sacramento, California. Shut up shop here." Can I can I do it? Ben Fisher did that. Ben Fisher went out to a to to a, to, to the uh, Silicon Valley for a year. Oh, did he? All right, nice, good job by you guys. Good management. Uh, this weekend, some of the best sports TV I ever saw, and you wrote about it, was um, was when they announced the uh, Hall of Fame to Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson, respectively, on uh, on um, CBS and Fox, and I I just thought. Looking at the emotions 
of, of that. I, I just thought that that was more compelling than any of the football I saw on, on, on TV. Just, I, I, especially like on the Fox one where they, they sh- showed uh, Troy Aikman, and I guess there's like a, a crying, uh, crying Aikman meme going around. But it's, uh, uh, it, it, I just thought that was, that was really cool. And, I, and I, I haven't clicked on your story yet, though I saw the headline. I, I, but I, I, I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, it's, uh, I talked to uh, the producer of the NFL today and sort of got the background on how all that came together. And, um, you know, in short, the Hall of Fame suggested it. And then CBS went into uh, um, very much sort of a stealth mode to not let anybody outside of a very few handful of people know that it was coming. And they totally surprised Cower on air. Cower did not know. I am sure Johnson, uh, I actually, I don't know if Johnson knew or not. I, I can tell you Bill Cower did not know. When you know, oh no, Johnson had, had the exact same reaction on his face. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. yeah my like, guess is yeah. I mean, away. the thing about that, John, is that, and I'm with you. It um, these the you know NFL studio shows are are you know sort of so formulaic at times and uh, scripted is maybe just a little too strong. But you kind of know what you're getting. You get the same laughing at every single jokes. It's you know, you're only going to go so far in terms of criticizing the NFL. So when you get like some kind of genuine moment like that, even if it was a staged, quote unquote, staged gen- genuine moment, it was nice. It was nice to see. And uh, Aikman and Jimmy Johnson's reactions were very honest. And obviously Bill Cower and and the rest of that group were, um, you know, I think were totally touched by Cower. And it's very clear that the staff of both places really, really like Cower and really like Johnson a lot. Like you can't fake that stuff, and so you're right. It was really two really good moments, and uh, yeah. But but it's also more like like you said, like in terms of the being scripted, like like the thing that struck me about the the Johnson one was uh, Strahan, like 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 and and uh, and like you know Boomer and a couple of the guys on uh, on um, on CBS, like there seemed to be like and maybe they're good actors, but I suppose I, I suspect they're not. There seemed to be genuine joy that this was happening, and I, I just thought that I just thought it was really, I I, I felt privileged to watch it. Like I I, I love when when they show uh, people hearing they're getting into the Hall of Fame and the emotions, and just seeing it live on air like that, I just thought it was really really cool. Yeah, CBS told me that uh, Boomer Sison and Nate Brolson did not know, so that was genuine surprise. Phil Sims and James Brown were told about fifteen twenty minutes before they went on the air because they were going to be sort of introing and being part of the segment when David Baker walked on. So that's why they gave them the heads up. But they didn't give them the heads up until essentially right before the show to sort of keep secrecy. So pretty amazing job by CBS to um, to pull that off. All right, very quickly before I uh, let you go, DAZN releasing streaming numbers. Uh, according to DAZN, their numbers were, um, uh, they doubled their uh, streams in 2019. Obviously, that's good news for them. Uh, so much of DAZN seems to be very dependent on events, though, John. Like, you know, you get a uh, you get a fight that people are interested in. People um, jump to that service. I think the, the rubber meets the road in terms of how many people will watch DAZN away from these, like, sort of mega fight stuff. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the problem with those numbers are they come from DAZN, so they're not verified by, by Nielsen. Uh, there are no specific numbers for specific events. And the numbers are also global, so so um, uh, it's uh, it's more than just just the U.S. market. But I I went with the story because I just thought it was interesting. Uh, you know that that you know they they gave a total number of streams that I, I don't have it in front of me, but so I, so I forget what it was. But it's a, a a really high number of streams, and you know I would have thought that um, 
you know, boxing would have ruled the day, and I guess it, it did claim the top spot. But Champions League soccer, like uh, you know, uh, football, was really. I think it, it took maybe six or seven of the of the top ten shows. Uh, what, what was uh, was soccer, and that surprised me as well. So I I just thought it was a nice snapshot in terms of what's working for uh, for DAZN, and to me it, it it suggests where they're going to sort of place their bets as uh, all these rights start coming up going forward. All right, and then finally, John. You know, I started that Sports Illustrated podcast like many, many years ago. I don't remember what it was. I think 2015 or something like that. You were one of my first guests. So I probably one of the first people to bring you on a podcast. And then all these years later, the loyalty that is not shown by you by by jumping on Trainus podcast, a clearly a competitor in the in the in the big burgeoning sports media podcast space. I mean, is, is it just a case of John Oran needs to push the John Oran brand wherever possible? John Oran does not talk about John Oran in the third person, so I'm going to I'm going to try not to do that. But I've told you I'm Team Deitch uh, through and through. Uh, but uh, I will also, as I as I said over Twitter to you, uh, Richard, I will attend the opening of an envelope, as they say. So I, uh, you know, I am America's podcast guest, and I'm uh, willing and uh, and able to go, you know, for whoever will have me. I can't, I can't, I can't kill you for that. That's a good strategy, and you got to push the all-around brand. <laughs> and uh, and I enjoyed the Trina end of the year show that uh, you did with Marshand and Trina. So, uh, so good on all of you guys. All right, John O'Ran, as I uh, mentioned at the top, is the Sports Business Daily and Sports Business Journal's media reporter. Check out uh, his uh, work at those publications. Check him out on Twitter at the O'Ran SBJ, and um, check out his. Uh, his newsletter that uh, comes out. What day does that come out, John? Monday and Wednesday, usually around seven to, to between any time between like seven and nine o'clock, depending on how late I am with deadline. All right, and on Twitter it's Oran underscore SBJ. I don't think I said that at Oran underscore SBJ. All right, John. As always, thank you for the time, and uh, we will certainly do this again. Thanks, Artie. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to John Oran for uh, forty minutes or so of uh, some fun sports media talk. Um, if you like this kind of uh, content, uh, check out our archives page. Last couple of podcasts include Jalen Rose of ESPN, Adam Amin of ESPN, Jim Ross, the uh, iconic wrestling broadcaster, and Joan Neeson, formerly of Sports Illustrated. Go to the uh, Sports Media with Richard Deitch page. Um, please listen to the stuff. If you like it, uh, leave us a five-star review and a rating. That is pretty much how, um, how this stuff uh continues uh let me thank patrick antonetti for his work editing this podcast thanks to uh chris corcoran spencer brown sean cherry and john mcdermott of cadence 13 we'll be back in a week for another episode of the sports media with richard dutch podcast take care I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.